I planted a lot of good veg this past summer, but we did a lousy job of keeping track of what it was. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles. Approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it. And we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of September the 21st, 2011. This is number 101. Here we are beginning our second hundred podcasts. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm particularly excited that we can report that we are back in the saddle with the database, even though we must acknowledge that we've been bad. We have (laughs) allowed a period of time to elapse here during which we did a lousy job, as you said, of keeping track of everything. But we're... um, we're hoping to turn over a new leaf. Yes. Well, we we so many things got a hold of us this past spring. Uh, it sort of the ripple effect after the house, the move, the house sale, um, some travel that happened. Um, but you know, things happen, and like you said, you get back in the saddle and learn from your mistakes. So we still think the database is a good idea. Um, if you have not already experienced the long leaf planting. Uh, Longleaf Breeze Planting Database. You will want to do that. We'll make sure we include a link on it on the show notes page. Um, but the idea is we're keeping careful track of everything we plant, both veg and fruit and nut, so that you and I, of course, but it, uh, we hope others will yes. be able to benefit from knowing where we planted, what we planted, what we used, if anything, for amendments and so forth and then what results we received from it. Obviously very tailored to where our farm is here in central Alabama, but we hope it will be useful to others. And, and there are several ways I'm finding that over you know, the course of two planting seasons, actually three if you want to count last year's fall veg, is that um, since we've had the database, yeah. uh, that I have found it useful for knowledge about crop rotation. We will always have a record of what we planted where. Where did those brassicas go? Where were the nightshades? Where were the cucurbits? It's important, as we've talked about on the podcasts before, and and probably most of our listeners know, to rotate so that pests and um, diseases that typically prey upon a particular family of plants Mm -hmm. um, don't you don't plant in that same spot again because those are those plants are even more prey uh, to the, the buildup of those bad things. And in, in case those terms you're using are unfamiliar, uh, brassicas include things like cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, kale. Collards, yeah. Collards. Uh, nightshades includes things like tomatoes and peppers, peppers and, eggplant. and eggplant. And cucurbits includes things like cucumber, squash, zucchini, pumpkin. Watermelon, cantaloupe. Watermelon and, and melons. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's to clarify what we're talking about when you use those highfalutin right. gardening terms. Right. Yeah. And, and it is important to know what family of plants, you know, what, how they're grouped because um, that's, that's how you decide where the rotation needs to occur. So. Yeah. And sometimes we can follow nightshades with nightshades, but sometimes we want to vary them. I, I know that 
the scoop, the jury's out on that. There are people people who plant tomatoes the same place year after year after year and are, do, and are doing just fine. Uh, we generally like to keep things moving around within yeah. Veg Hill. Yeah. And after the squash bug epidemic this past year, I definitely do not want to plant my cucurbits on that same row again next or year. Or even on the next row. Or even one row over, right. Yeah. We're going to be moving them somewhere else. And this is a little off the subject, but you've, in fact, talked with me about moving some of your cucurbits out into the orchard. Yeah, that's a, just, just to give a brief description of that harebrained idea I've come up with. Um, because of the fact that just this past week it looks as though the squash bugs have pretty much taken over my pumpkins, as in I probably won't have any pumpkins this year, and I'm very disappointed about that. Um, <clears throat> I'm thinking next year of putting a pumpkin, I would say pumpkin patch, but it'll be more of a pumpkin row, out way out in the orchard, far away from Veg Hill. Um, also protected from deer by yes. the electric deer fence, but not protected from rabbits. So No, not from rabbits. But then deer, when I had pumpkins that before we had the deer fence or any kind of planting, it didn't, it didn't have to be pumpkins, the deer were the big problem. So the fact that I have a way to keep the deer off of them and it's far away from where the squash bugs have pretty much taken over. They're everywhere in that veg garden. And the ability to drip. And the ability to drip, very important. So, so that was sort of the the basis for choosing that location. But we'll see what how that how that works out. And also, I'm thinking about planting um, a trap crop. I had intended to do that this year, didn't do it. So I'm hoping with the combination of a trap crop, which means you uh, a little bit earlier than your target crop, you plant that near, not too far from the target crop, so that the pr the um, pests will go to that first and be eating that and hopefully leave your target crop alone. That's yeah. the thinking. So um, in terms of um, the database, which is the primary subject for today, I think we can say we're proud of the fact that for uh, more than a year, we did a good job keeping yes. the database mm -hmm. up and updating it with results from what we had planted. Um, it's only during these uh, critical few months of the summer of 2011 that we have slipped, and yeah. we do apologize for we that. Apologize we just for um, should not have done that. We just let other things get in the way. So I thought we might want to spend some time today sort of um, e examining, reporting on how things did in the garden things that didn't make it into the database. Yes, that might be helpful. that's going to fall primarily to you. Yeah, that, that might be helpful to those listening. Uh, and, and I think, again, you have to keep in mind about where we are located. You know, we're in central Alabama. We're in a certain type of climate. And so when I say this worked great here, well, you know, if you live too, a lot north of here, it may not work great. So that's our focus is what, and also I'll talk sure. about what didn't work well. All right, so tell us about tomatoes. Okay. I think we've mentioned this before, but just to say it again, best experience I've ever had with starting tomato from seed. Cherokee Purple, uh, which is an heirloom variety, did wonderfully well. Um, of the plants, of the transplants that I bought, there was a better boy that did beautifully out there. And then um, 
also the Sweet 100s did extremely well. And everybody has their own school of thought about how to support tomatoes. You must support the indeterminate tomatoes in some way. And we chose a trellis system based on uh, PVC pipe. And that seems to have worked fairly well. It is fairly labor intensive. Yeah. But that doesn't bother us because we're sort of out there looking at the tomatoes all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, it seems to have worked well. And the wonderful thing about the the, the trellis we've designed is that it uses all materials we had on hand anyway. So. Yeah. And and we found that we've needed to go out and add some more trellising, tie some tomatoes up in the past during the past week because there's new growth. There's and there's some new baby tomatoes forming, some more fruit. So And we're this time about of that. year, you don't get trellis just because you're a lang a lengthy, gangly tomato stem. You get trellised if you have fruit. Yes. You have to earn your right to be trellised right. this time of year. Yeah. But several of them have earned their yeah. right to be yeah. trellised. Yeah. And, and I need to go out and check to see which of the tomatoes they are because that will also be informative um, for the future. Like if I can plant a tomato that I know will do well into the fall, I'm that tomato might get priority, that type of tomato. Um, and, and in fact, two other um, types of tomatoes, I started from seed, and I should have mentioned this, Illini Gold and Valencia both did pretty well too. And so the tomatoes are fairly small on both of those varieties, but they've done well. And, and one of those I know, I think it's the Valencia that may be you know, putting on new tomatoes as we speak. Um, peppers, let's talk about those for a minute mistake that I made is I tried to put them out at the same time as my tomatoes. You're tempted to do that because they're all nightshades. Bad idea. Tomato uh, peppers take longer to mature. They take longer to for the transplants to, uh, you know, to emerge from the seedlings. I mean, to be a good good enough size takes longer for them to. Um, so you're saying we should have waited longer after they were started from seed yes. before we transplanted them. Yes, that's what I'm saying. They're not you. on the same schedule with tomatoes. You may put the seeds in all at the same time. The peppers are going to take a couple of weeks longer. And, you know, because they were such puny little scrawny things when I put them out there, it took them longer to grow up and start producing peppers. They finally are now, and they have been for a couple of months. But... Um, the ones I started from seed, King Arthur Bell, and some um, really nice Anaheim peppers, they're doing great still. But um, now I can tell the bell peppers have slowed since the weather's cooled off a little. But the point is they're still producing. The transplants, second year in a row that I've bought banana peppers from the Auburn plant sale, thrilled with them both years because they have produced like champs. So... Um, Thank you, Auburn. We, we <laughs> salute you. <laughs> and uh, also, those peppers will go into fall. One thing family. that occurs to me, we had great results with the tomatoes this year, companion planting marigolds and basil yes. among the tomatoes. Mm-hmm. We did not, we had some extra damage on the peppers to the point where I think you're contemplating companion planting for them next yeah, time. Yeah, from, from tomato hornworms. Yes. Correct. Yes, we don't. I'm not ready to say I know that's what made a difference, but as far as last year, we didn't companion plant, and we had lots of hornworm damage. This year, we did companion plant like crazy. I mean, there was a basil or and or a marigold growing just about everywhere amongst the tomatoes, and minimal hornworm damage. I mean, I may have killed one or two, 
off of them, and uh, one on a few on peppers. But and what about eggplant? Will you companion plant them as well? You know, they've done great this year. I probably will just to be safe, but because last year we had uh, some hornworm da- hornworm damage on the eggplants. This year, no. These plants, once again, salute to the Auburn plant sale. That's where I bought the eggplant plants the past two years. This year, and, and the variety is Black Beauty, which is kind of a standard you know, type that you can buy in central Alabama. And they do well here. Uh, but this year, these plants became much more vigorous. They've been much better producer of eggplants, of fruit. And their foliage looks more healthy. And the foliage is healthy. remember last year, our eggplants, they actually produced fairly well, given that the foliage looks so terrible. Oh, I know. Well, you know, flea beetles will get those leaves at the beginning of the season. And so you just have to push, you know, the plant will eventually push through it. And maybe I planted these earlier. Again, we don't have the... I know I bought those plants the first week of May and put them out almost immediately. So, or, you know, within a couple of a week or so. So I think early planting is one of the keys, and also maybe the placement. I think maybe the soil, because remember we were planting. We're getting in, better soil. We planted in froggy bottom soil this year. And in general, our soil is improving because we're yes. doing what good organic gardeners do. Exactly, building it up. So you know, the point is, this eggplant did better, and um, uh, it's still producing, and it will until first frost. Now, one thing I've learned about eggplant. The minute it turns cold and there's a frost, it's gone. So we better enjoy them while we can. Unlike the okra. The okra is doing, well, the okra won't like a frost either. The okra hung on through that first frost, if you remember last year. We were still harvesting in well into November after the first frost. I don't know about well into November, but I do remember late October. Mm. Adrian came for a visit and... We, okay, maybe I'm not remembering correctly. but And that may be in the database. But the point is, from last year, the point is that okra last year did well through late October, and the plants were about eight or nine feet high. It is now late September. Our plants are already nine feet high. <laughs> it's like, And they are producing well. So I, I don't know rich, how much taller they can be. green foliage yeah. in our okra. In fact, if you remember early in the season, we despaired because we had all of this rich green foliage and no fruit. Right. And now we have, and some of it I should say is red foliage because I've got burgundy okra and Alabama red as well as Clemson spineless and Cajun jewel. So you've got two green varieties, two red varieties, and they're they're all still producing. Mm-hmm. So I highly recommend them. They have their different advantages, disadvantages uh, as far as height. Yeah, um, one thing that you've talked about doing next year, which we did not do this year, is to prune the okra at mid-season. Yeah, you have to do that by mid-August, and I didn't even know you could do that. But one of our master gardener instructions, Carrie Smith, uh, con- instructors, excuse me, Carrie Smith um, mentioned, and, and also Mallory Kelly, our extension agent, have mentioned that do it by mid-August and you might get some results. Um, didn't I didn't know about that in time, didn't do it. So um, I do have nine-foot-high okra, but we have okra. Um, the cantaloupe, the cantaloupe is finished as of this week. I see the last three very small uh, cantaloupes sitting on our counter now, and that's it. The plants basically died. Um, didn't have problems with squash bugs attacking the cantaloupes last year. This year, I'm pretty sure what did in the plants is, as I said earlier, we it's pretty much the garden's taken over with squash bugs now. Anything and everything. So 
cucumbers are gone. Um, squash is gone, of course, pumpkins and the um, cantaloupes. So those, I'll be cleaning out the garden later this week or early next week and just pulling all those vines up and I'll probably put them in a burn pile somewhere because of, um, you know, just the fact that they died with an infestation of squash bugs. We had our best year for watermelon, which is not saying a lot. We've, we well, were sort of slow getting yeah, started with watermelon. Good and bad, I will say. I've never had so much uh, blossom end rot on a watermelon yeah, as I have this year. Yeah, that was a problem. Yeah. Um, we've, but we did have a decent, steady production of watermelon through the summer and were able to enjoy a watermelon at July the 4th, which was a nice I triumph. I know. And we had some really good ones, good sweet-tasting watermelons. And we sort of finished on a high note. I think we may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, so let's pod not belabor yeah. it. But we had a compost volunteer, and our experience with compost volunteer watermelons has not been good. But this one we decided to cut into just to make sure it was not a true to type. And it was gorgeous and sweet and delightful. The best one we've had. So I saved the seeds. They are now put away for next season, and we will see what happens. And, we and hope that will become the longleaf breeze watermelon. We hope. And also, I saved seeds from some of the better cantaloupes and uh, hope to do the same thing with those. We had a few that were, actually, I'd say most of our cantaloupes are pretty sweet. And we had a few that were just, you know, exemplary. So we're going to try saving or, or planting the saved seed from that as well. The squash, even though the squash bugs ended up prevailing this year, despite my best efforts, um, they, we did get some good squash. Yes, we did. We made several squash casseroles with the yellow squash. Had enough for that. Um, we had some good zucchini. Nice we big had, baskets of winter squash still, sitting over there. Yes, and, and some of those, because the plants died earlier than they should have due to squash bugs and vine borers, um, the, the fruit that was immature on the vine when those plants died will rot. If it's not a fully mature uh, hard shell. This is one thing I learned listening it's to Danny Carroll. a valuable and painful lesson yes. we've learned. I learned it the hard way, but Danny was mentioning that the other day in her, she's one of our, an, a master gardener uh, lecturer, that a winter squash is, design, is designed to have a really hard shell. You know, and if you're not familiar with winter squash, well, most people know like an acorn squash. That's a great example. Um, if they can't get to that point, they're not going to store. So you might as well just enjoy those now, you know, <laughs> or put them in your refrigerator and eat them as soon as you can. And that happened. Um, we're just about out of time, but I well, should mention. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm looking at the time, too. This has turned into a comprehensive review of the garden. So. Let's not cheat it. Let's go ahead okay. and finish it up, even okay. though the podcast will run a little long today. Okay. Uh, green beans. Those have done extremely well, and I am still harvesting rattlesnake beans and some blue lake beans that i put out just been uh, it's just been a wonderful year for green beans yeah. sweet delightful firm mm -hmm. tasty green beans yeah. boy it's been great and so with the peas as the peas, well the peas are pretty much at an end now because they are just being eaten alive by squash bugs but and other pests um so i, I harvested what i think would probably be the last of the peas the other day um but Again, what a year it has been. It's been a great year, and my experience has been getting those out as early as possible and 
harvesting as much as you can before the bugs get there and enjoying those, putting them up, uh, giving away, whatever you want to do. But just enjoy them, and eventually they're going to succumb to those. Still have some lima beans. So that's good. Um, we uh, Oh, back up just to say something about the cucumbers. We've already done some podcasts about the fact that I was overflowing with them. But when we had cucumbers, they were really good, and I'm pleased. I don't know that I would plant quite that many in the future. but Yeah, I, I think we overdid it. We overdid it. But really enjoyed them and love the varieties that we chose. Um, and I can tell you that the um, pickling cucumbers, which I had never tried, also transplants that I bought at the Auburn plant sale. We made pickles from those, and they were nice and crispy and good. Do they also taste good to eat, the pickling oh, cucumbers? Oh, sure. We had some of those yeah. early in the season. I, I, yeah. I should say our uh, summer has been, uh, when we eat supper in the evening, we always have a little dish of tomatoes and cucumbers yeah, to eat right. with That's right. This time of the year, it's and all summer long, we've been enjoying that. Uh, so we're, we're finishing up the last of our cucumbers, but we... They're, they've stored pretty well in the in the veg um, bin, so we're good. The um, as far as the varieties, Punakira still one of my very favorites. Second year in a row that I've enjoyed that Indian cucumber, sweet flavor. Um, we also I planted some transplants that straight eights uh, that worked out pretty and uh, market more. Those tasted good. They were good, and I put out seed from General Lee, which is supposed to be good in this this area. Um, those cucumbers were a little smaller, but I think they were still good. So I may just try the same thing again next year and see what happens. But uh, fewer of them. But fewer of them, right. Um, we Wait, had, let's talk about corn. Corn, uh, we did end up probably harvesting enough and ate one meal off of them. And then I harvested some of the field corn that had dried out. I'd completely just given up on it, went out there, it dried on the, but that's perfect because we want to make cornmeal out of that. So we'll see what happens with that. And those that did produce may be the kind we need to plant going forward, yeah. so maybe we should save some of them for seed. Right. Uh, sweet potatoes, those look good. We will harvest them uh, probably toward the latter part of October. We have another month that we can leave them in the ground. I know you're a little nervous about leaving them in the ground well, that long. Well, just so they're not there for a freeze. And uh, we mentioned before we've already harvested some of them that were sticking up out of the ground and right. we ate a couple of them the other night and they were really good but we have some students from the university of alabama new college coming down to spend some time with us in the latter part of october which is still ahead of the first frost in all likelihood we hope and we've um we're sort of hoping that they will uh, adopt as one of their projects harvesting the sweet potatoes yeah. with us. But we may have to do it before then. We'll just we see. may. We'll keep an eye on the forecast, and if it looks as if we're going to have an early frost, then, of course, we'll pull them. Last but not least, our cover crop, sun hemp, really likes it out there. <laughs> sun hemp is doing wonderfully on rows 9, 10, and 11, and, uh, well, 9, 10, and the top half of 11. The south end of 11 is still your um, mixture of strawberries and weeds. Yes, I need to weed that, but I have looked <laughs> down in there and seen that the strawberry plants are still there. So and we're growing. Good. And growing, yeah. Uh, I've been noticing those strawberries yeah. are thriving in amongst the weeds and doing fairly well. Yeah, so I'll, uh, when, you know, when all these other priority tasks are, are finished, I'll weed those and I'll cover those with, you know, put mulch around them and then prepare for, if we get a cold snap, 
covering them with some mulch. So if you've stayed with us to this point, thank you for your patience with us as we worked through our retrospective of the summer. Uh, our covenant to you is that we will do a better job keeping that database up to date. That's right. Are we going to keep doing our podcasts on Wednesday or are we going to switch Oh, today? thank you. Yes, we <laughs> do need to change. Uh, I, shall we do it on Thursday again? So that will. So our next podcast will be not a week from today, but one week and one day from today. And the reason we keep changing on you is because of some things we're agreeing to do on a weekly basis here that keep us tied down. So we will look forward to seeing you and visiting with you next week. Have a great week. Take care. You've been listening to Long Leaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.